Welcome to Radio TFS, episode number 147. This is Greg Duncan. This is Gordon Beaming. And this is Josh Garver. Gentlemen, and and Josh. <laughs> hey, now I resemble that remark. <laughs> How you guys been doing, man? Yeah, good in yourself. I've been doing great, man. Uh, you know, I talked about it last show. Our upgrade to TFS 2017.2 went as smooth as silk. I am loving the new build editor. I am hating the old release editor. You need to come um, to 2018 then, man. <laughs> I can't. My infrastructure, my box where TFS is, it's all too old. And, and I, you know, we're kind of using this as our push to, to VSTS. Oscar, my partner in crime, is doing a high fidelity import like as we speak. Oh, nice. Um, to do a dry run anyway. Uh, going through, walking through the documentation and stuff. So, uh, uh, that that's that 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 will be interesting, and then we've got another project here. Where we're using a VSTS for the free editor, and you know people have mentioned the new release editor, and and uh, I think Martin Martin Hinstrel did uh, just trying to grok the new editor when switching between old release editor and new release editor. That's a serious context switch. What do you guys think? I would completely agree with that. I've, I've... Actually, I'm still not completely there. I mean, I like the new release editor. Don't get me wrong, but there's certain times where I get mad and I'll just I'll, I'll pull an old guy moment and go, ah, I just want to do it the old way. So I'll go back to the old editor and pull up the you know the environment variables or something stupid. But yeah, there's lots of switching. But the one thing like I really like about the new editor is the the variables because like you you add a variable in there and then you can just say and this is for that environment. The only thing that I was hoping that it would have done nicer is like you switch to the grid view so you can see like going across what all the variables look like and i and i was hoping so much that like i'll add i'll add it once on the side and i'll be able to go and like edit what that variable is in every in every environment um, but you first have to like add it for that environment before um so it's like it was like almost i mean it's still amazing but it's like it's almost more than amazing you know you get that view in 2017 right no. Yeah, that was that's a <laughs> trick that I learned um, on 2017 and earlier. If you uh, go to the variables tab on that release on the far right, it'll say um, environment and then release. Okay. You can switch that to the actual environments, and it will give you that same view and the same restriction. You can't add environment variables from that screen, but you can see and edit them all there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just, uh, I, with the old editor, like playing around with the new one in VSTS, I just like, like pushed it on the side, went in there when I needed to do stuff. And it's like just, just sad moments the whole time. <laughs> but now I love it again because it's, it's nice and pretty because we're on 2018. With, Any with, problems with, in. With, without some time integration on the work items. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me that story. Tell, listeners would be interested in that story. Yeah. So. I did my, my usual, my usual upgrade thing where I ping Buck. So normally I upgrade like as the RCs come out because I mean, if the, the team says it's stable, I trust them and I use it. Um, but this time, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this time I was a bit, a bit late on the RC one, um, train. So I ping Buck and I was like, Hey, when, like, is the RC two build coming soon? Cause it's pointless doing the one if two's coming in the next couple of days. So he said, like, yeah, probably like within the next week or so. So I was like, okay, fine. Waited a week, got that build. 
installed it on my dev machine, played around with it. I was like, okay, everything looks like it will be functional for us. Shouldn't be any issues. Um, recently, though, we installed uh, the, the time plugin from 7Pace. And like that, it's, it's an amazing plugin. But the, the problem, which I didn't realize, is that their work item integration was using the old extension model um, and not the, the new fancy one that's like supports in VSTS. And I thought, well, it, I mean, it should be the same thing because they have a VSTS plugin as well. And everything went fine, did the upgrade, did some work, went to go log time for work I did. And I was like, this time thing is missing from work items. But like the, the, the main tab was still there. So I was like, okay, that's a bit weird. Maybe there's like an update. I went and looked, hey, there was an update. So I installed the update. And obviously that removes the old extension, starts installing the new extension. And then it says, sorry, I can't do this because the legacy extension model is not supported anymore. So I'm like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> so so then I'm like, um, I look through my link, my Sky for Business list of who's all online at the moment. And at that point, it's like 3.30 a.m. So it's like even the guys from the States weren't online anymore. And naturally, Martin Woodward is online because I don't think that guy sleeps ever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 3.30 in the morning and I'm like, hey, Martin, do you know anyone that can do some hacks for me? <laughs> like I'm, I was at the point of like pleading, like, is there, is there even a way just for TFS to say, yeah, cool, like I'll, I'll install that for you, but then not actually do anything with it. Just so I could get, get it back to the state where it was at before. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> So he got me in touch with one of the guys who managed to ping the, the seven pace guys and then they managed to get me a, a beta build out. Um, so it got us back to the same state. So now we've got the, the time hub. We just don't have the work item, um, ex, ex, the integration at the moment, which uh, the seven pace team said within the next like two weeks, we, we should have that update. So yeah, it, it was, it was more interesting than my usual updates i mean the actual update itself was i mean as it always is next next finish like am i am i installing notepad or am i installing tfs like it's i reckon notepad probably gives me more hassles than a tfs install generally but that's a good watch for our listeners on it in that you know since there's so much extensibility now yeah and so many other people are doing it, you have to, like in your case, you have to take that into consideration when you're doing your test releases. Yeah, but you know what the interesting thing is? There's a big red, there's a big red line that's very bolded that explicitly says, like, accept that I know that, like, legacy plugins is no longer in 2018. And I'm like, what the hell? Except I just want the goodness. <laughs> 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 and oh. I, reckon, I, I reckon that was like directly saying hey you've got something that's using this like are you sure you want to do this i'm like i just want the goodness uh, uh, so, so the gordon warning was right there and he just ignored it uh, yeah well it, it, i had like the those those eyes i could just see the nice release editor at the end of the tunnel I could just see like the the other amazing changes that they've made at the end of the tunnel. And I was like, ah, I just want to get there. What's the quickest checkboxes I can click to get there? And then I got there and uh, it was interesting. <laughs> so, Josh, what have you been up to, man? I'm still uh, fighting a good fight, getting ready for busy season. Um, been working through a bunch of really crazy high availability stuff. Mm -hmm. So more on the infrastructure side. And uh, recently 
split my DevOps team up into uh, two separate tribes or factions or however you'd like to refer to it as, um, two different area paths. <laughs> <laughs> One for, for more of like infrastructure systems provisioning and the other for more of a software-related stuff, so developer experience and, and things like that. So uh, it's been interesting. It's It's taken a little bit of time to get warmed up, but I think overall, long run, it's going to be much more useful for everybody and it's it's kind of uh it gives people like the, our customers which are our internal customers uh an understanding of where to go for things as well as gives folks a, a way to focus on certain tracks and certain um parts of the whole about experience hmm. cool all right well we've got a lot of news to show no guests just the three of us listeners so if that irritates you you might as well just drop off now Otherwise, we've got a bunch of great news. We've been accumulating this for the last like three or four weeks. Uh, first off, I'm going to start off with is um, the VSTS update. As you expect, there was a September 15th release of Sprint 123, and Brian's got a great post about it. He talks about the new Query Hub, uh, the Wiki Live Preview. So as you are typing, you actually get a live preview of the view, which is perfect for somebody like me who who never I don't understand wiki markup i never get it right i always screw it up so this this is like the greg view of the wiki stuff uh, multi-phase builds are in this release uh new widgets so that's all in vsts and obviously if you're already on vsts you get all these updates automatically you don't have to worry about deploying and click next 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 uh Another thing that happened, which was really interesting for our friends to the north, uh, there is now a data center for VSTS in Canada. So along with Europe, Australia, India, and Brazil, there you can have your VSTS. Uh, our Canadian listeners, you guys up north, you can have your own VSTS in your own data center. And, and I know people are really excited about that, and I'm glad for you. Everybody should have their own, you know, their own thing. Should be feel comfortable with that. And actually, as as I joke about that, but the with the privacy rules and everything else, this thing actually becomes really important as to where that data is hosted. So, the other thing is, um, and so we'll have a post. We'll have a post from Aaron Hallberg and as well as Brian Harry. Brian talks about it uh, as well. Last, this is this is important for like me. For, you know, I, I don't care about you guys, but um, TFS 2017 Update 3 RC is now available, and, and this is primarily a bug fix. It's a roll-up of all the issues they've uncom uh, uncovered in the last wave of releases. So, you know, in all, Update 3 only has a few dozen bug fixes, and we'll have the links in the show notes to Brian's post on it. But the key to this one is, is let me read this paragraph. Update 3 will likely be the final update for the TFS 2017 family. So uh, this is going to be it. And if you're planning on doing a high fidelity migration to VSTS, you know how they have that sliding window. So you need to guys start, need to start planning that. This will give you some time. It'll also give you into next year. Uh, but if your infrastructure is like mine, you know, it's been limping along since TFS 2012. My server is, uh, you know, Windows Server 2008 R2 and SQL Server 2014. And if that's as far as you can go and you want to go to 2018 uh, or, you know, move to VSTS, the time is ticking for you. Um, Mark, uh, Gordon, did you, how have you been keeping your server infrastructure up to date? Been 
doing in place upgrades or like the server and SQL Server and all that good kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I generally, you know, the whole winging it thing. <laughs> Um, if Buck tells me it's a stable build, I, I say it's a stable build, and then I install, and then it says, oh, by the way, your SQL's not right. So I'm like, okay, download the service pack, install. I've, I had to do, I think it was for one of the TFS updates, I had to do a major version jump. Was it, maybe it was the 2015 to 2017. I didn't check which version the SQL was on. And I installed it, and then it was like, yeah, um, you need the next version for this, or it might have been the service pack or something like that. And I was like, okay, so while TFS is down, I'm like busy quickly upgrading SQL Server. Um, I haven't, on the server it's on now, I haven't had to do the OS upgrade during, uh, in, in place. Um, but I have, I have before just done it in place for the OS. Um, it, it's generally works out quite well. Um, there's, there's lots of history that go, that stays on that server. And unfortunately, the TFS server is, is not, not like they normally say, the infrastructure guys. It's like treat your servers like cattle, stamp them and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the TFS server is, is, is my baby. I don't. Your I, pet, I, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't just stamp it and get a new one. So I'm quite attached. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I'm glad I am not alone in that because we're kind of the same way. I, I've been debating you know, whether I'm going to upgrade the OS in place on that box. It would be so much easier to do, but I really want VSTS. I really want those features. Josh, who handles your TFS infrastructure? Uh, that would be Microsoft since we're in VSTS. Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, show off. <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, for us, it's largely the the latency. I mean, the closest data center for us at the moment is Europe. So, I mean, we we generally on a good day get like, I think I've seen it down to maybe 200 or 250. But, I mean, our millisecond ping to Europe is like between 200 and 300 most of the time. Um, it's it's gone a lot higher than that before. So, to try to have devs productive on that um, doesn't always work out. <laughs> I can see that. So... Uh... I'm done talking for a little bit. Josh, do you have a new story that you want to talk about? Yeah, so check this out. Uh, in the Source Control Showcase, we've got a post from Allison Buckholtz uh, about integrating Subversion and Perforce into Visual Studio 2017. And uh, she goes through uh, Visual SVN, the Perforce client, and how to actually hook it up and try it out. So it's, it's a nice quick post, but it gets to the point and covers some interesting stuff for those of you who may be interested in either Subversion or Perforce. Hmm. I saw that post too, and I thought that was kind of interesting. I think it's kind of, again, it always shows the extensibility of Visual Studio. Yeah, I mean, they did a complete rewrite for, well, from what I know, for 2017. It was like all new, like they now checked like the startup times of plugins and then basically like, hey, do you want to hide this? It's being naughty. It's taking too long to start up. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I know like uh, lots of guys like had to rewrite some quite a bit of stuff um, just to hook into some new uh, paths. So VS obviously getting a, uh, looks like getting a lot more strict with how it puts extensibility, but then also giving a lot more extensibility to to guys, uh, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. So Gordon, we were talking about the marketplace and extensions, and what's new and happening there. Yeah, so in the the marketplace, um, one of the things that they're doing is they're switching to a new markdown parser. Um, so they're switching now to market, uh, which basically 
you'd normally be like, hey, that shouldn't affect anything, right? Um, but obviously, the the HTML that you see there under the covers is all Markdown. Um, so, like the extension details page, uh, licensing, pricing, uh, privacy, and all that, all gets affected by the Markdown editor, uh, well, the the new parser. And on the, the this post, by, uh, I'm not even actually attempt anyone's name ever. I'm very bad at that. Um, but there's a post on the the Microsoft DevOps blog. Again, <laughs> just yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna do it. It's like <laughs> I don't know. Also, butcher everyone's name. <laughs> um, basically, in this post, that they basically show, saying like everything that it affects. And also how you can, like if you are an extension publisher, how you can go in there and sort of try the new experience to see what your markdown will look like in that new experience. But then also what's quite cool, um, I didn't know that this existed, there's an extension for VS Code called uh, Manifest Editor. And what that basically lets you do is you can edit your markdown in Visual Studio Code and it's got a preview panel which looks exactly like what the panel looks like inside the marketplace. So you can see exactly like what what's going to show up there based off uh, the manifest that you're publishing, which is really really cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, I guess the the real important walk away is that they're saying like what a third of the extensions that are published will, yeah. may need to be updated. So if yeah, if you're an extension publisher, you need to go and look at your markdown. Absolutely. Yeah. So that they said that um, obviously they, they give guys leeway until this becomes the the standard. Um, but basically on December, December 1st, they're switching over to this new, um, this new way of layout or the new parser. So, I mean, so there's still time for guys. Um, but you know how it always is on the 1st of December, everyone will be like, my stuff's not showing right. <laughs> and, and they'll be like, we posted stuff three months ago. Oh, well, cool. So Mr. Garverick, tell us about the BKVM. Oh, I guess it's not that anymore, is it? The Burger King virtual machine? <laughs> no. Greg, it'll it, it'll always be called the Brian Killer VM. Like Brian yeah. Killer, Brian Killer can one day leave Microsoft if if he ever does that. That would be sad for us. But if that ever happens, it'll still be the Brian Killer VM. Absolutely agree, hundred uh, percent. There's a link almvm azurewebsites.net that actually has links not only to all of the updated ALM virtual machine uh, goodies, but also dramatic pause, Team Services Labs and Java Labs. These are VSTS-based exercises that you can go through, and it hooks right into your Azure subscription, and there are demo creators in there that will stand up all the the infrastructure, a copy of the um, BKVM for you, and, and gives you a bunch of different examples to go through. So, for example, under the Team Services Labs, you can uh, do things with package management. You can do things with setting up continuous delivery uh, from Azure, from uh, from VSTS itself. You can do connecting to VSTS with Power BI, uh, Microsoft Teams integration. I mean, a lot of really cool stuff out here. And th- all you have to do is wire up the VSTS demo generator, and it'll do the rest for you as long as you've got a valid Azure account. Uh, same with the Java side, too. It will take care of that for you and... Our friends at Northwest Cadence actually built the image that's pre-configured with all that software uh, from a Java perspective. So you don't have to run around and and figure out which version of the the JVM, the JRE, the JDK, the SDK, the uh, the ETA, any of that stuff. Any of those versions, you're you're all good to go. So uh, 
swing by, check it out, check it out, uh, grab the link from the show notes, and take it for a spin. Also, and another tip though for that too is if you don't want to get the VM, the the labs are on that Technet virtual lab. So that's a quick spin. That's basically a you know a five second no setup. You can do and play with the labs right there, like in your browser and stuff. So that is a very. I, I know I've I've used that a couple times just to spin that stuff up to play with stuff. Cool. Um, so I mean, everyone these days talks about DevOps. I don't think anyone ever says the word ALM anymore. It's like it's just forgotten in the corner. Um, but what um, what the guys at Puppet have done is um, they've surveyed a lot of uh, a lot of guys in the DevOps space, and they've basically put this report together, which um, obviously they ask guys uh, what their job titles are, how much they earn, where they stay, and all that type of stuff. And they've put a 33-page report together, um, which basically shows like which job titles yield the highest salaries, um, where's, where do you get paid the most based on where you stay. Um, so the one, this one interesting thing there like, that I saw was like they say um, the amount of manual configuration management people do like affects their salary. So obviously everyone's mo- moving to a more automated world and the whole stamping your your servers is is probably along with that. Um, but yeah, it's I've got the, the report open now. There's, there's quite a lot of interesting information in there. There's definitely, I mean, even if someone isn't like in that space, but just sort of loosely, I suppose everyone is in that space these days, whether they know it or not, right? Um, it, it's def, it's it's a good report to go download and and look through. Awesome. Well, I got a couple stories I wanted to talk about. The first one was uh, this great post from. Ashok Karla, and uh, it talks about we, – we've talked about this in the show a number of times, depreciating the, the – or the depreciation of the XAML builds. Uh, well, you know, with TFS 2018, the XAML builds are no longer supported. That stuff is gone. And also related to that is the lab management and automated testing capabilities in MTM, the Microsoft Test Manager, are also no longer supported. So how do you do lab management stuff? in build and release for 2018. This post talks all about that. And I'm not going to go into the detail on it because it's a long post, lots of screenshots, but they they walk you through all of it from the environment creation and management through the the build, deploy, test, automation. And and what's great about this one is it gives you side-by-sides. Okay, identify the machines to build and test. Well, here's how you did it in XAML build. Here's how you do it in modern build and release management. So if that is in your framework and you're looking to move to uh, 2018, you definitely want to check out this post. The next post, uh, this one I I actually used. I I mean, like just today and yesterday and and the other day. But um, Rishi has got this cool post. And this is something you may just not know. It's one of those tips like the whole release variables thing is how to choose an agent. You create a queue. Right, you got a queue, and you got a bunch of machines in that. Well, you you guys know if you've ever done that, and you watch it, you usually pick the first machine, and then if that's busy, then it, the queue will go to the second, and the third, and the fourth. Well, what if you want to explicitly in that same queue, you want to run your build on that fourth machine? So what do you do? You go queue up three other builds, so it goes to that fourth machine. Uh, <clears throat> been there, done that. Um, no, you don't. You read this post, and uh, you know you can set specific demands 
on a build, right? You, you can go to the build and you can say, to run this build, you have to have this JDK, this virtual Visual Studio. Well, other variables can be used that same way. When an agent machine registers itself, it registers its capabilities. It will register agent.name and agent.computer name. You can use that in your demand when you queue a build and you put your demand, not the variable, but the demand agent.name equals the machine name or the agent name that you're interested in running it on. And it will just automatically work. Yeah, that's quite cool for when you're debugging stuff. Um, so you're on, you're on the server trying to figure out why something won't behave the way you'd expect it to. Um, that's generally when I use that specifically. So, so you're saying you've known about this like forever and I'm just an idiot, right? Um, saying, Gordon? I stumbled across it the one day where, where someone else had, had stumbled across it before me and I couldn't understand why this, this build, they, they queued, they queued like there's three or four different builds. But now, although there was free agents in the pool, the, the agents would not build. And these guys said, no, well, you gave us four agents, but the specific stuff that we're doing can only run once on a machine. So we just made all the agents, like we targeted to only like that one agent. So now you have like a queue of 10 things, although there is like five agents available. And that's when I figured it out after about a couple of hours of debugging that. And I was, I was thinking, Greg, you, you're saying like, hey, the, the XAML build's not supported anymore. I remember that that's not supported, but something else that's not supported that also didn't need to mention like XAML builds because I don't think anyone, I mean, obviously there's some people that use it, but I mean, since the new builds came out, no one uses that. It's, now team rooms is not there. Like, I don't know how I'm going to communicate with people anymore. What? You're, <laughs> are you joking or you're joking? You're being facetious, right? No, no, I'm dead serious. Dave, if I remember correctly, team rooms is no longer supported. Well, no, 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 no. I know it's no longer supported. Yeah. Did you actually use it? Oh, yes. I, I totally you were like one of the three people? No, no. I definitely tried so hard to get people to use it. I was there trying to tell people how, how much better this is than Slack, how, be how much better this is than Skype. And then one day I just couldn't stop lying to myself. Um, and <laughs> I, I, just, I just gave up. Like, I'm like, but you can post your, your build stuff into there. And they're like, I can do that with Slack. I was like, I know, but this one's like there. And they're like, but it's like... It's a web browser and it's like buried in there. And I'm like, they're like, no, we just use Skype to communicate with our team. So I'm like, but team rooms, it's like, ah, yeah, that was yeah, at a very bad point in my life where I was trying to evangelize that. I think we found patient zero. Yeah, really? <laughs> oh, man. All if, right, so everyone has those we... moments, right? Yeah, really. All right. I think we're at, um, we were talking about infrastructure. We were. And Josh, you've been doing a lot of infrastructure stuff. I'm afraid I have, yes. Um, and I'm afraid. <laughs> friend Ken, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Interpret that however you like. Uh, our friend Ken actually has a post out there for creating recoverable TFS backups. And this is something that is a very, uh, what you would think would be a fairly straightforward and easy thing to figure out. But um, a lot of people will have their backups set up to just take a backup of SQL Server, right? Just back up the database. And if anything happens, you just restore the database and everything's good, right? No, not, not, not exactly. Um, it doesn't really work that way. Um, so what, what you can actually do is go into the TFS Admin Console and navigate to Scheduled Backups, 
which is more along the lines of what you should be doing to, to back up your uh, collection information and, and all that good stuff. It'll let you create scheduled backups. It lets you set retention policies. It'll go through and um, estimate storage requirements. And once you're all set with that, if you want to set up any kind of notifications to any of the admins, if a backup job fails, or conversely, if a backup job succeeds, if only I had gotten that timing right, that little ding would have sounded fantastic at the end of succeeds. <laughs> <laughs> Quit sending me email. Um, you can set up uh, custom schedules. So, you know, if you want to do differentials or you want to do transaction logs, there's all kinds of crazy stuff in there. But essentially, at the end of the day, what this will do is give you a way to back up your your TFS information reliably to a UNC path so that you can keep it somewhere safe. And it also gives you the mechanism to uh, restore that same data so that you don't end up with any issues. Assuming- so, so when you go to that upgrade uh, dialog, when you're upgrading your TFS and it makes you check that you've got an actual backup mm-hmm. before you can proceed, this is how you do it, Gordon, uh, well, uh, guys. Well, the, the thing, I had one of those. It's just... Like like I said, I'd done my backup and it was well, I'd done my install and I went and played around with the new release stuff. I spent like two hours like updating all with all the goodness, and it was a moment of do I restore back and lose only my my life hours and give everyone time back, or do I just be like okay, it's down for two days? <laughs> I went with option B because I mean the new goodness was worth it. I think. Um, you know how many times I've seen with this with the scheduled backups, and like so when you try to do a backup, and you tell it um, like a path. If you try to put like C drive something something, it says sorry you can't do that. You have to use a UNC path. And yeah. the the amount of times I've seen someone just go and make a share on the same machine, and then they back up there like hey walk away feeling like a rock star, and then the server like gets corrupt, and they're like but I was backing up. And it's like well where were you backing up to? Well the same server. It's like. Like, it's, it says UNC path for a reason. It's trying to protect you. Don't make fun of my process. <laughs> but luckily, we actually have a follow-on that writes that to tape. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, I had I had some weirdnesses like that where – because, I, like, at one point, we couldn't uh, – was fighting with the IT guys trying to get – because, like, it needs uh, – I think it's full control. Or at one stage, it needed full control on the – the location so it could give all the admins also full control and they the it guys wouldn't give us full control on the network share um so what we did is we backed up to the drive and then we had the, um, a service that pushed it all onto the network share <laughs> so it wasn't ideal but it worked slightly uh, and then they were complaining that our server backups were too big it's because we're keeping like four weeks of backups and the actual v- md5s themselves and yeah, oh, it was great fun or MDFs. So, yeah, we're talking about uh, data protection and stuff. Yeah. What kind of protection does the VSTS have? So, recently, um, the VSTS guys have been investing a lot. I mean, I suppose the whole world's investing a lot in security. Um, but something that, that like, is really cool is so they've started investing now in encryption at rest. Um, so, back when you had, and it sort of links into another story we had, but I mean, with, when it's just TFS with normal SQL databases, you could just do TDE and, hey, data is encrypted at rest and everyone's happy, we can walk away. Um, obviously, for the this, this type of scale that VSDS is, 
there's, there's not that like, hey, there's all these thousands of accounts and there's one SQL database doing its thing, right? Um, it would be great if it, it could do that, but obviously it can't. Um, so they've been investing quite heavily in um, encryption at rest, so they're using a lot of the new Azure capabilities to be able to do their um, data encryption at rest. Um, they, they mentioned yeah, in the, the post write-up um, some of the areas where obviously they haven't implemented that yet. So some of the services that they're using uh, don't support encryption at rest, so they're busy doing infrastructure changes. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're moving some stuff to containers, uh, if I remember seeing that correctly, um, which would basically then give them um, that support. And then, like I said, there's another post here, which sort of links into that, which is um, how to encrypt your TFS uh, server data. So that uh, runs through basically just uh, telling you about um, TDE, um, giving you some of the, the gotchas um, with with all these on, and yeah, it's pretty cool. It, it definitely it's a lot easier reading about hey, this is how you do it, where someone else has had to go and figure out all the the oh no moments. Um, yeah. It's, I've, you, you don't want to be in that place where you lose your master key for TDE and then, and then can't restore your company's data for the last two years. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. Yeah, I, I really liked Mateo's post on that. You know, I realize it's not well documented, but it's surprisingly easy to achieve. And he had a really great post on it is that uh, his like second to last paragraph is it. The reason why I say it's simple is if anything goes wrong before you encrypt the database, you can easily drop the master key and basically a certificate or encryption key and start over again. So it's easy to walk, fall out of. That's, that's a great post. Yeah. Josh. When you split your team, did you have some cake? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, our friend Francois de Rosier, I hope I didn't butcher that name, um, has an interesting post on Scrum.org about having DevOps cake. And it, it's more of a, a wedding cake, a tiered cake, if you will, uh, where yeah, he goes through different steps. Uh, and, and different layers in there. So infrastructure as code, continuous delivery, uh, agile database, automated testing, continuous integration. Um, and it's meant to be looked at from a bottom-up perspective. So as he outlines in his article, he starts with step one, which is your continuous integration, um, then moves on to automated testing, uh, integration of databases into the iterative development. So when he says agile database, it means actually... Uh, you know, iterating on your databases uh, with the with the use of tools like uh, uh, the SQL Server database tools or uh, ReadyRoll or any of those other uh, tools that are out there on the market today. Uh, runs through continuous delivery, then infrastructure as code, and talks about some team dynamics as well at the end. So overall, a pretty interesting viewpoint on uh, Cake, on DevOps, and it's not about the... Uh, the, the cake build tool either so uh, <laughs> don't mistake that it's clickbait exactly <laughs> well talking about devops um i came across this one all day devops.com there's actually a 24-hour 100 session live virtual congress it's uh, congress um <laughs> <laughs> conference yeah our congress isn't alive so yeah they're just yeah. um but this is a free online community and it's creating the world's largest DevOps conference. And it is only 32 days, 11 hours, 11 minutes, and 11 seconds as of that time 
away. So it's 11, 11, 11, 32. Um, it's happening October 24th. It, the times are wonky for those of us here in the United States. Uh, it starts at 3 a.m. Uh, New York time, 7 p.m. Sydney time. And there's a little like convert your time. Let's see, Los Angeles. It would be, uh, let's see, what's it saying? 1 a.m. So, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But um, what's nice is they record them all, too. So you can get them on demand. Uh, as a matter of fact, they'll be immediately available upon conclusion on YouTube. So if you're looking at the DevOps, there's all of these sessions on it. If you like the the videos, um, you just got to go. It's free. Why not? It's on my calendar. And there's, it's not just one session like uh, pass. Uh, the SQL guys have you know a 24 hour pass, but this one just in that first time slot. There is keep track of your CICD mess, but we can't do that here. Modern security operations, i.e. a secure DevOps, increasing dependability of your DevOps processes, the secrets of our clouds, and the keynote on it. That's just in that one 45-minute slot. So there's a lot of sessions going on here across all the disciplines. Uh, so, Oscar, yeah, you'll have to cue this all up. <laughs> And speaking of conferences, everybody knows, well, maybe not everybody, uh, Ignite is happening next week, right? So uh, the the Redgate guys are going to be there, and they're going to be talking a lot about database DevOps, just like Joss was mentioning about the agile uh, database stuff. Redgate, who's been doing this kind of stuff only for about ever, um, <laughs> is going to be talking about DevOps and database DevOps. And they're going to have a session uh, Thursday, September, uh, let me see, uh, September 28th uh, in Theater One, Friday, the 29th of September. They're going to do another one, and uh, they're going to have a booth there too. Martin, I believe, is going to be there. I know he's preparing to do Ignite. Uh, make sure you stop by the Microsoft booth and say hello to all the VSTS guys and Visual Studio guys. I'm sure they will all be there. And I'm telling you, I've told you guys this before, though. The guys at the booths, especially the Microsoft booth, they love talking to you. They want to hear your questions, your problems, your, your, your issues. You know, talk to them. And if they can't answer it, they will all give you your email ad their email address and look it up for you because remember the guys at the booths they're like managers and product managers and you know they don't actually work you know the guys who are working they don't get to go to these conferences they have to continue to work so um but they'll get you the answers and they love hearing from you i mean but you know what i love about the microsoft pms those guys like they 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 understand their products so well like you look at a lot of other pms in in well, I can make, I say the Microsoft PMs, the VSCS, TFS, VS guys. I can't talk for all of Microsoft. But I mean, like, you look at someone like Will Smith, like, talking, like, in all the, the conversations where we were talking to him, without, like, looking and seeing that, like, he was a PM, like, you would think he's mm -hmm. one of the engineers. Like, he just, like, <laughs> when they started out with the extensibility stuff, like, he just knew that stuff so in depth. And he was like, he has all the tips and tricks and that, like, you would swear that he was one of the devs. And, like, I mean, when those guys go to the conferences, you know you're not just getting like a sales guy there. I mean, it's definitely worth going to talk to them. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Karen? No, go ahead. Okay. No, I was just going to say, um, with our next story, I mean, obviously, we've there's a million ways you can do anything, right? Um, and Mohammed, I'm going to try it out, Rudwan, I think, um, fellow, fellow ALM MVP. Yeah, he still says ALM MVP, not the Visual Studio something, something, development, <laughs> something about technologies. 
Um, <laughs> I'll never switch. I'll always say LM. Um, but yes, he has a post on uh, using the integration platform to migrate uh, TFS 2017 to VSTS. So he goes through telling you how you get your environment ready, uh, takes you through the steps of migration. Um, he tells you, like, obviously, note that the tool itself is deprecated. He tells you what is supported and what won't be supported. Um, it's quite a nice in-depth post um, walking you through how to, to perform that migration. It's quite cool. He tells you like what is going to be left behind. So he mentions yeah that your I think if it was a mistake the work item linking or uh, what's going to be left behind. Um, but yeah, it's quite an in-depth post. Um, yeah, I thought it was funny. I mean, just cause we had we had Martin Hinchelwood on just last show, and then we had this big old post. Muhammad writes this great, great post about Martin's tool. Yeah, I, I just had to laugh at that. Yeah, it, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's often what happens, and I'm assuming the other guys do it because it's what I do as well, is you do something and it's like, okay, well, I'm either going to remember this in my head or I'm going to write it in some way for myself or I can just blog about it. Other people can read about it. And then when I don't know how to do this later, I can go back to my blog post. Um, and you generally try to make sure your blog's up and you don't lose any data there. So it's the perfect place to, to store stuff that you want to remember for later because <laughs> – Everyone knows you put it in SharePoint, you're never going to find it again. Um, and the next thing is, um, there's inside Team Explorer, um, it looks like Arvin, somebody, a name I can't pronounce, maybe that's, I don't know even where that surname might be from, um, has built a plugin for Visual Studio, um, which use, which shows the, the build information, uh, like the builds out of TFS VSTS. Um, I'm assuming you're using the new, well, not the new anymore, but the, using the REST APIs surfaces the build information inside Visual Studio. And um, obviously, the, lots of stuff inside Team Explorer seems to be moving out at the moment while the, the web experience is becoming so great, um, which obviously opens up a nice space for extension developers to, to jump in and add that um, functionality into Visual Studio. Awesome. So, uh, last stories here. Um, that's ALM Ranger time, and I wanted to ping Josh, but I think Josh might have to might have to be dropping off. Are you leaving, Josh? Uh, in a minute, but I can handle the uh, ALM Ranger stuff if if and you'd like me to. Yeah, well, you are still a Ranger, right? That is correct. Well, then let's give you the Ranger stuff. Gordon is too, but that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah, we can split it. We can split it, Gordon. It's it's cool. I'll take the first one. Um, Willie actually posted an interesting article about why uh, the, we're using AWS instead of Azure to store any of our open source releases. And the mechanics of it are pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, under the covers, what GitHub does is it uses Amazon uh, Web Services. I think it uses an S3 instance to actually store any of the, the artifacts that you upload to it. So if, if you go to download something... Um, from an OSS perspective from the Rangers, and you notice it's coming from AWS or S3, that's why. So it's just it's a matter of where the stuff is, is hosted and where the where the bits and bytes are stored. So but overall it gives you a nice little insight into kind of the architecture of how that's all all taken care of. Cool. And then yeah, the the other ALM uh, Rangers post is Vili also posting about our extensions that are deprecated. Um, so one of those is the folder management um, 
which he says is partially deprecated. Um, and the other one is the print cards. So the agile, agile cards guys had written uh, like a very feature rich, um, print cards extension. And then we sort of backed off on that already in October last year. Um, but yeah, there seems to be 800 people still haven't installed. So that he's basically telling them, Hey, this is, this is the stuff that's replaced it. And can you please go ahead and install that? Cause we don't support that anymore. Cool. Yeah. And the, Folder management isn't required because it's going to be, if you're on 2018 or VSTS, you don't need it. Uh, but if you're like me, you still do need it. And I ran into this the other day. There was at one point a clone release definition, and I installed that extension because that was the only way to do it. Well, then when we upgraded to 2017, I now in my release definitions had two clones and one worked and one didn't. So this is an exact, you know, once these extensions are depreciated and they're depreciating your environment, make them go away, save your users their sanity. Yeah. I mean, he All right. Well, that's the end of the show. Yeah. Um, well, that's the end of the show. Now I, I've got a, uh, I'm going to pronounce your name right. It's Donko. Don Co. Not Dankov, not Dankov. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's just let him, let him say it. Hey, if you're listening to my voice recording, you would better call Radio TFS at 1425-233-8379 and say hi to Greg Duncan. Now, I have some feedback on how to pronounce my name. We started with Denko, Denko, Danako, Dancano, and my favorite one, Dancarno. <laughs> While those are great names, my name is actually Danko and Greg. I know you can do it. Now, thanks to Martin Woodward, I've just received the DevOps stickers and I have built a tree with them. So guys, thank you. Keep up the great show. Radio TFS is number one. Thank you. Donko, you rock. Thank you for that. And you know what? You guys, like Donko said, you can be on the show. one 8379 And you can be on the show. Um, your, if your voicemail is safe for work, we'll play it on the air. Send us an email, radiotfs at outlook.com. You know we're on Twitter as well. At Radio TFS, we're on Facebook slash Radio TFS. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, the show's nothing without you guys. So, Josh Gordon, thank you both very much for being on the show. Cool. Cheers, cheers. It's great. It's great. All right, guys. Be up when we have a show again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for listening to Radio TFS.